Thank you, Paul. And uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you uh, here today. I was able to speak at the first service this morning, and I'm uh, really privileged to, to be with you uh, too, to further that relationship. As Paul said, we've, there's been a, a, a long history between uh, Medair and St. Mark's Battersea Rise. Now, just have a look at this, this picture behind me. And uh, this, this is a picture of uh, uh, two sisters, uh, elder and younger daughter. They are uh, leaving uh, the city of Mosul in, in northern Iraq, and um, they've had to leave everything behind. So just to, to save their life, they've had to leave all of their uh, possessions behind. And you can see the devastation uh, behind them. What is it that they need? Well, to stay alive, they're going to need somewhere to, to sleep, some shelter. They're going to need access to clean water and to, to food. And probably as a result of uh, fleeing the, the, the city of Mosul, they're going to need some kind of health care uh, and support. That's just to stay alive. And that's the, 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 the point at which Medair seeks to get involved with, with uh, people like these girls, people like this young girl here in, in the refugee camp. That's what we do. We go that extra mile to save lives. But we do, we do uh, more than that. If we, if we can have the next slide. You see, we, we find people like those two girls and, uh, and this girl here in some pretty... Uh, remote places. And you can see again behind me the, the places where Medair works, mentioned uh, northern Iraq, and we'll come back to that, uh, Syria, and we all know that what's going on in Syria uh, at the moment. Uh, we work in Lebanon and, and Jordan, uh, reaching out to Syrian uh, refugees there. We work in, in Afghanistan. Many of you uh, you know, probably don't hear about Afghanistan these days, but uh, Afghanistan, in parts of Afghanistan, there's acute and chronic malnutrition. And we're working in some pretty remote places in, in Afghanistan, providing access to food and uh, water. We work in the Democratic Republic of Congo. There's a civil war going on in DRC at the moment, and uh, we work in the north of the, the country uh, where most of the fighting takes place. Uh, that civil war has been going on for many years, and we're working with remote communities there. Uh, we work in Myanmar, uh, again, a country that is recovering after many, many years of, uh, of problems. South Sudan, our largest program in South Sudan, and uh, again, we don't hear so much about South Sudan these days, but there is a, a fragile peace in, in, in South Sudan. And I guess as you look at that map, you're probably thinking, yeah, when I'm booking my holidays this year, probably none of those countries are going to be on the list of destinations that I want to, uh, want to visit. All right, these are some of the poorest countries uh, where some of the most vulnerable people in the hardest-to-reach places live. And they live in crisis. They live in war-torn situations or living in places where there's been natural disasters. And I'm sure you'll have heard about Hurricane Matthew that hit Haiti and the devastation that that caused. Um, but these are the places that Medair 
uh, seeks to work in and, seeks, uh, and, the, and people living in these places are the people that we seek to reach. Can we have the, the next slide? That would be great. This is who we are. This is our mission statement. This is what we, st what we stand for. This is what we seek to achieve. Medair is an impartial, independent, and neutral humanitarian organization inspired by Christian faith to relieve human suffering in the world's most difficult to reach and devastated places. Now, there's two things I want to point out. Those words, impartial, independent, and neutral humanitarian, that is humanitarian language. That stuff comes from the United Nations and the International Federation of the Red Cross. And there's a whole professional sector, if you like, around humanitarian work. And that is the arena that Medair operates in. When we provide uh, shelter to people or access to clean water or emergency health, we're working in a humanitarian arena in a professional context. And the sorts of people who work for us are doctors, nurses, engineers, shelter specialists. They're professional people. And uh, they go to these uh, very uh, remote places but work in a humanitarian environment. But what marks them out, all of our international relief staff are all Christian. They're all inspired by Christian faith. They are living out the call of God upon their lives, which um, motivates them, if you like, to give up a career and to travel to, as I say, some of the farthest and remote places and insecure environments to do what? To relieve human suffering in the world's most difficult to reach and devastated places. Can we have the next one? Why? Well, because at Meadow, we believe the world's most vulnerable and difficult to reach people should be able to live in dignity, free from human suffering, and with hope for a better future. Now, I could talk a lot about the, the, the temporary shelters that we build. I could tell you a lot about the medicines that we distribute. I could tell you a lot about um, holes in the ground, which actually become drainage facilities. I can get quite excited about holes in the ground in refugee camps. And if we have a coffee later, I can bore you silly with all of that. But the word I want to, you to focus on, or the words I want to, you to focus on, is hope for a better future. You see, reaching out to people in crisis isn't just about distributing goods that they might need. It's connecting with people at a point of uh, devastation for their lives and being an, an ambassador for hope. Bringing hope. It's no good putting somebody in a temporary shelter if they don't feel there is a purpose for their lives beyond that. And that's what we try to do at Medair. Bring hope for a, for a, a better future. See, this is a lovely smiley face picture and uh, it's quite easy for us to, to feel this kind of sense in which um, we're, we're, uh, we're uh, remote from what is actually ha happening in the world. But the reality is, in all of those 11 countries that I've talked about, there are people living in crisis right now. And I want us to, to spend a few moments just watching this short video about a crisis that is unfolding right as we right as I speak, right as we sit here today. And it is this crisis that's uh, uh, being caused as a result of the military operation in, in Mos Mosul and is 
impacting upon the lives of children and families similar to the ones that we saw uh, in that picture when we started. So let's, let's just watch this, this video and, and be aware that this is happening now as we're sitting here today. One of the things that, um, one of the questions that runs around in my head when I, when I watch that video is, is why would anybody want to give up a career? Give up the safety and security of living in somewhere like Southwest London. That connectedness with their family. Why would anybody want to do that? And get on a plane and travel out 
to a place like Mosul, where the bombs are going off and the bullets are flying. Why would, why would Christian people want to do that? Why would they want to give up a whole future that's mapped out for them? To put that on hold, to put that on pause, to go to a place which is in crisis and is in a war zone. And it's a question that, that kind of run, runs around in my, in my head. And sometimes I struggle to find the answer for that. But actually, I think we can find the answer for that when we look at, at Scripture. And I want us to, to turn, if we will, in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. So that's Matthew 25, starting at, at verse 31. Let, let me read this to you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Let's take a moment to think about what's going on in this, this passage of Scripture. We're at this kind of Hollywood blockbuster moment in time where it's the great reckoning. Jesus is here in, in all of his glory, and the whole of the nations of the world, the whole of humankind is gathered in front of him, and there is this moment of tension, expectation. You see, the hope and the destiny of humankind rests on what Jesus is about to pronounce. And there's this dramatic pause, and Jesus then starts to speak and starts to separate people. And then he turns to those on his right, and he speaks to them. He says, come and have your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And I'm sure you can imagine as Jesus is saying these things. Here we have the, the, the righteous and, the, and they're kind of looking at each other going, what's, what's he talking about? And he can imagine them pointing the finger at each other and said, well, was it, was it you? Because, because I, don't, I don't remember having Jesus around for dinner. In fact, 
I, I don't even know what Jesus likes. Is he, a, is he a curry kind of guy? Well, he's Middle Eastern, so maybe it's, it's hummus and flatbreads, or who knows, he could be a steak and chips kind of bloke. But did, did, you, did you have him round for dinner? And was it you? Did, did you take him off shopping? You know, I don't even know what size he is. Is he a large or an extra large? Is he an M&S kind of guy? Next, maybe Harrods, maybe not. And prison? Come on, this is Jesus. Jesus got a criminal record. Goodness me, I know he stirred a few things up, but I don't ever remember him spending time in prison. And I can imagine Jesus having a little chuckle to himself and smiling and saying, oh yes, they get it. They so get it. Let's just look for a moment at these words in verse 40. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. I love those words. And I love them for as much about what Jesus isn't saying as much as, he, as what he is saying. You see, he's just talked about the poor, the sick, the stranger, the criminal. He's talked about all of these people. And in those, those verses, what he doesn't say, he doesn't call them the undeserving poor. He doesn't give them a label or a title. He doesn't call them migrant or refugee. He doesn't see them as a problem or as a threat. No, how does he describe these people? He describes them as his brothers. These are people who share his DNA, his genealogy, his family history. They are kith and they are kin. Brothers and sisters, family. So why would he have this, oh yes, they get it, they so get it kind of moment? Well, remember at the start of the passage, he separates the sheep from the goats. He puts the righteous on his right-hand side. And who are the righteous? Well, they're the followers of Christ. They're his children. They're his family. And the reason he has this, oh, yes, they get it moment, is because this is family looking out for family. You see, family are always welcome, aren't they? If family pot round, the kettle goes on, cup of tea is made, there'll be food on the table. If family are in trouble, well, family gather round and help out. There's always a welcome. Family looking out for each other, reaching out for one another. And that's exactly what Jesus is describing here. His children, his family, looking out for his brothers and sisters his family. They're about the family business. And what's the family business? Clothing those who need clothes. Inviting the stranger in. Feeding the hungry. Reaching out to the sick. Embracing the prisoner. That's the family business. 
And that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, oh yes, they get it. They so get it. They're about the family business. Now I started with this question. Why would anybody want to give up a career and go off to a war-tone place? Why would any Christian professional want to do that? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? It's about getting involved in the family business. Why wouldn't they? Because it's the family business. Now, that's great for some of us. You know, it's quite, for some of us, it's not difficult to drop everything, get on a plane and travel to some remote part of the world. And there may well be some of you here, when you hear these stories, thinking, yeah, I could do that. I'd want to do that. But there are others here thinking, that just isn't a prospect for me. But what's the family business about? Well, it's about prayer. Praying for those in the family. It's about giving. And that might involve financial giving. It might involve giving some time, some support. It might be an email exchange, whatever it might be. Standing with, standing alongside. And for others, it might be to go. To go to some of these far-flung places in the world in the most vulnerable communities. And it would be great. And I'm so thankful for churches like St. Mark's Battersea Rise that pray and give and where people from this congregation and the other services go on behalf of Medair to these, these sorts of places. But more importantly for me this morning is that we find a way of giving Jesus some more of those, oh yes, they get it. They so get it moments. Because the family business doesn't involve just going overseas. It involves connecting with the poor, the sick, the lonely, the stranger, the prisoner that are in our localities, in the places where we live, the streets that we walk up and down. That's the family business. That's the stuff that Jesus wants us to be involved with. That's the stuff which will make him go, oh, yes, they get it. They so get it. So as we move to a time of prayer and a time of communion, why don't you spend some time asking Jesus what is it, Jesus, that you want from me so that you can say, yes, you get it. You so get it. What is it that you want from me? Where, what's the role that you have for me in the family business? Let's take some time to pray.